Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to another edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford here talking. Hopefully, AD Drew will hear me as that's my partner on the other uh, in the other screen there. That's why I couldn't hear you. Situated. <laughs> that's why I couldn't hear you. My headphones came unplugged. Oh, there you go. It's always something. It's always something. Uh, it's good yeah. to be back here in the mix with you, Drew. Uh, you and Jamie did a great job holding it down last Sunday. Appreciate uh, Jamie well, I, Walker filling in. Well, I, I hope I left the seat warm. I hope I didn't leave any uh, extra ruts or anything in there. I didn't tear the chair or anything. I don't need you to complain. Talk about I need to buy you a new chair when I moved over to chair one. I, I'm not going to blame you for this cold that I have. So uh, I guess for all, all things considered, you are all right. I left my germs on the chair. I guess I left my germs on the chair then. Right, as long as as long as it's just germs and and nothing else, no no variants or anything like that, it's all good. There you go. It's all good. there. You go. Uh, good to be back. Good to be back uh, with everybody. Um, yeah, man, uh, it's always good to be back in this space. We got a uh, the beautiful thing about this show is we get to kind of look at the past week of stuff that's gone on in HBCU on the uh, as Doc likes to call it, Doctor Caville the HBCU diaspora. We get to look back at it and then maybe kind of project looking forward at some things. Um, plenty to talk about in terms of, you know, the, the beautiful thing about football, football never ends, Drew. HBCU football is shaping out to be just like any other level of football. Football is becoming year round. There's no breaks in it. Yeah. And speaking of football, uh, you and I both have an uh, eye on the professional game that's going on right now also uh, while, while we we're are, doing yeah. this show. So, so if, if if we all of a sudden stop mid-sentence and start cheering or start cussing or something like that, that's because one of our teams uh, either just well, won or just lost or just did something stupid. I don't have any. Obviously, we're talking about the AFC Championship game that's on right now. Uh, spoiler alert: heading to overtime. So, 
uh, <laughs> a great comeback, 21 unanswered points by the Bengals. And uh, I really thought the Chiefs were going to blow it there at the end. Uh, a couple of unbelievable second and third down plays by Mahomes. And uh, fortunately, field goal kick takes it in overtime. But it uh, looks like the Chiefs are going to get the ball to start overtime. So we're, we're kind of going to be narrating that as we talk about things going on in, in our space. So that's just the nature of these live shows that we that we do. You know, uh, Drew, I think one of these days what we ought to do is I, I was I was on somebody's YouTube. I just stumbled across somebody doing a YouTube feed where I guess they were doing a live in-game chat session and all they had up was the stats from off of like ESPN.com and they were just talking. Kind of like our stat cast that we've done for a certain radio broadcast that we've done in the past. Yes. Yes. And I mean, you know, just click, 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 clicks all day, you know, and I was just like, man, is that all it is? So I think we're going to have to do something like that for the HBCU uh, uh, folks out there and just kind of Maybe maybe a Super Bowl edition. Maybe we'll just do something for a Super Bowl. You're not planning on going to the Super Bowl, are you? I just want to check first with you. <laughs> uh, my, my flight to L.A. has been canceled. Well, you know, if the if the Rams and Chiefs go, you might have a vested interest in the Super Bowl, right? No. Oh, no. almost. Oh, my goodness. See, I don't know how far ahead or behind I am with you. but You're you oh ahead of God. me right now. Yeah, okay, wow. Wow. That's all I'm going to say, Drew. Wow. DBs are DBs for a reason. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> no hands. Uh, if you're watching us no on YouTube, closed. right, if you're watching us out on YouTube, we appreciate you. Go ahead and hit that page like to that Jericho Broadcast Network's uh, page, uh, MyJBN1. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, BCSN1. We appreciate you going to the Jericho or downloading the Jericho Broadcast Network's app as well. Very popular amongst the people, especially the young people. Uh, big play, Drew. Big play alert. Big play alert coming your way while I finish the read here. Uh, my JBN, my BCSN on your Google or Apple Play Store um, is where you can uh, where you can uh, download that Jericho app. Unbelievable play. Mahomes looking human. Mahomes out here just slinging it around, and uh, wow. Have you seen the play yet? Have, have you seen it? Unfortunately. Oh, okay. So you, you have Chiefs vested interest, huh? Oh, I definitely have Chiefs vested interest. I would have I gone Bengals. I, had, had I had some uh, peanuts in this, in this fight, I would have gone Bengals plus seven, seven and a half. There's no way I would have gone well, Chiefs. I, I I got real dollars on it, and uh, <laughs> anyway, empty <laughs> way. I, I love the way he said that. He said, "I've got real dollars." <laughs> there's no way if you had seven. There's no way you're covering this. You're just kind of screwed. because oh, it's in overtime, so you can you you're not yeah. covering. Wow, that's a bad beat. Sorry about that, Drew. Well, it's not over yeah, yet. Yeah, well. Well, well you know, get, that's let me get this straight up. A lot of people were saying that the best way to te- to play this is to tease this down to the Chiefs minus one or two. Uh, so that way you were covered in case of 
a close ball game or an overtime game. Well, yeah, now now you're kind of looking at it like have uh, done that. Yeah, well, uh, another interesting fact, and I promise we'll get into talking about some HBCU related things here shortly. Uh, it was brought up the two previous times that the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. The year before, they had very horrible seasons. If the Bengals go to the Super Bowl for well, a third I, time. That, wait a minute. That don't mean that when you talk about the Bengals, though. Well, no. What it means is they had these one-off seasons where they went to the Super Bowl, but just the year before, they, another whole... they, they were crap. Yeah. I don't know about what happened after. The Bengals but I mean, have always really, been crap. Well, but most teams usually progress going towards the Super Bowl, right? You rarely come from last place to all of a sudden the Super Bowl. I don't care how many free agents you buy. It rarely happens. And so just the fact that here's an organization that's about to potentially go to the Super Bowl for the third time where in a two-year span they went from worst to best in the AFC is kind of uh, – is just one of those stories to tell. Well, you know, if Kansas you know. City does uh, come back and uh, win this game, oh, wow. I, want th- I want you to think about the fact that Kansas City will, for two consecutive years, play the host team in the Super Bowl. Tampa last year and potentially L.A. this year, if L.A. gets there. Right. Yeah, a lot of storylines in that second game, of course, San Fran and uh, L.A. You know, San Fran has beaten the the Rams not just twice this season, but six consecutive times. I mean, talk talk about just owning somebody. It's like, but they've never done it. Well, no, I take it back. I, I believe in Matthew Stafford. You know, Matthew Stafford almost became a Colt quarterback. For a second, we were we were we were kicking the tires on Matthew Stafford, and I wish the Colts would have done that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, here I am wearing my sweatshirt. My my greatest memory of the playoffs, this beautiful Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I'm just dying to go get another one. You know, I don't know, it's tough. Just won't be All this right. year. I know, I know, just won't be this year. All right, Drew, let's get into talking about some of the news from the past. Um, Over the weekend, yesterday, matter of fact, the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl was broadcast on NFL Network, and we had a a host of HBCU players that were in this, including uh, some big names, Aquil Glass, Alabama A&M, Offensive Player of the Year in the SWAC, uh, Marquise Bell, All-American defensive back for FAMU, uh, C.J. Holmes, uh, cornerback from Jackson State, uh, James Houston, also from Jackson State, uh, Corey Raymond, uh, Tennessee State safety. Uh, let me see, did I miss anybody? You got to give credit to also, how about Jaquez Ezard, former Howard University wide receiver who transferred to Sam Houston State, best transfer move he ever made. Uh, he put up good numbers when uh, Kalen Newton was his quarterback. Then he transferred to Sam Houston State, won a national title with them, and he really impressed. So um, there's a, a you know Glass. Glass had a great day. I thought nine of eleven, 141 yards, a touchdown. Uh, best play that I saw Glass make, Drew, was. 
he 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 ran. This was in the second half, third quarter. He had a, one of those old Peyton Manning uh, play action stretch plays that uh, Peyton Manning and Edron James used to run, where it was just a stretch play, play action, go deep, and uh, it was a beautiful throw by Glass. Um, and and if you if you guys have seen the highlights, Cut Day, I, Cut Day Sports has uh, they they did a really good job of just cutting up some of the highlights of Glass, so you can go check them out on YouTube and see some of the stuff that they did. But uh, what, are your, what are your impressions of what you did, did? First off, did you get a chance to watch any of the, the Unfortunately, the no, I have not had an opportunity to watch it as of yet, have not had an opportunity to uh, catch up on it, on the cut day version of it or any other versions of it because of my busy schedule I had yesterday. I didn't get home until 7 o'clock this morning uh brian so i'm a little bit behind on that so i'm going to rely okay. on you to keep me in the loop on that particular well, I, uh, I'll, item i'll tell everybody don't go rely on me solely uh you know i watched some of it i was watching some of it along with a whole bunch of other basketball games but uh kyle mosley si.com did a great recap of uh of that game you can go check out si.com go to uh hbcu legends and uh kyle did a great Right up, but how about also a shining star? Also went to Alabama A and M offensive coordinator Dwayne Taylor, who really uh, NFL Network's Bucky Brooks, uh, and I'm reading right from Kyle's article, gushed all over the production. Uh, he gushed all over the production team meetings with Dwayne Taylor. Um, Taylor had a difficult life growing up and took care of his siblings. He told the networks, Michael Yam, that it was an honor to coach in the ball game. God put you in situations to get you where he wants you to be. Uh, Jeff Fisher, who was the coach of that team, pretty much let Taylor call the plays. And uh, Taylor did an outstanding job in that, uh, in that role. And there's that picture you see uh, from left to right there. I think you see uh, Corey Rahman, you see James Houston, Marquise Bell, Aquil Glass, uh, C.J. Holmes, and uh, Jaquez Ezard. Yeah. So, and uh, who they? Who they, Drew? Who they? Who they, Drew? Who they? Who they? Who they? I can't, I can't believe it. It, 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 excuse me while I go and soak for a moment, Brian. <laughs> hey, greatest comeback. Well, I don't know. Does it really qualify? I guess it qualifies because they rallied from 20. They scored 21 unanswered, took it to overtime, took the ball away from Mahomes with an interception. <laughs> Drove right down to the 10-yard line inside the 10, punched him in the mouth. I mean, just punched Kansas City in the mouth. And Twitter, I know Twitter's happy because no more uh, Jackson Mahomes or uh, what's uh, Mahomes' wife, his brother. I know Twitter's ecstatic right now. But shout out to Bengals fans, man. You guys have suffered a long time. 
Brian, you you think the play wow. right before the half, the, the where they uh, didn't get yes. in before the half and ran out of time, you think Big that's mistake. the difference in the game? Big mistake. Big mistake. Uh, that that's that greed. That, that's the not play going for the three. That, that's the play that people will analyze. Well, it's not just the fact that they went for the three. Is that Mahomes threw get the ball? The three. Yeah, he didn't get the three, but Mahomes threw the ball short. He didn't throw it into the end zone. So, worst case, what? Maybe you get a second left. But that play will be analyzed over and over again. But, uh, wow, the Chiefs, man. I told you, I, I you know, I, I didn't think they were unbeatable. I just didn't really think the uh, Bengals were the team that were going to do it. Joe Burrow, man, how great is this dude? This dude is becoming a a legend, an Ohio legend. Not only is he a legend in Louisiana, he doesn't have any idea what's going on in terms of this post-game media stuff. Uh, you know, as he's running away from uh, Tracy Wolfson, who's trying to do her job. I, I love this. The live, I'm, I'm all about the live television optics. Icky Woods makes an appearance. The Icky Shuffle. There you go. Uh, so we're all <laughs> over the place here in this this first segment, yeah, we're all over the place here, uh, here on the sports wrap. Um, how many people out there, if you're watching this, how many people had the Bengals winning this contest? Crickets. Did. Crickets. Not very many people did. Uh, so that was the NFL PA. So, you know, congratulations to all of those guys who participated in the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. I think the um, <clears throat> the other uh, big event that took place over the weekend related to the draft or draft-related news and notes was the HBCU Combine, which took place, I believe, in Birmingham, Alabama. Correct, Drew? Mobile. Was that in Mobile? Oh, yeah, yeah, because it was at South Alabama. Yes, it was. Yes. Okay, so NFL.com lists their top five standouts from the HBCU Combine. Now, I want to say they did have an HBCU Combine last year, correct? And that one was in Birmingham? They had I'm one last sure year. I'm not sure where it was last year. I'm not sure where the But they did have one last, last year. year. Am, I, am I correct in that? Am I, am I, am yes. am I imagining was that, the one, that? Was that in Was that in Selma? No, I thought they did it at somebody's uh, indoor practice facility because I know UAB has an indoor practice facility, right? Yes, they do. I think they – no, they don't have an indoor yet. They have an outdoor facility. All right. Well, I, I really thought they had one last year. It was just interesting listening to one of the the uh, NFL.com video clips where they talked about this being the first HBCU combine, and I'm like, I don't think it was the first. I think it's the second, but whatever. Um, according to NFL.com, top five standouts from that uh, HBCU combine, you had Virginia State defensive back Will Adams, who was a first-team all-CIA, CIAA defensive back. Uh, he's about 6'3". I don't know. They listed some, somewhere between 6'1 and 6'3", depending upon what pair of shoes he's got on. Um, he really stood out. Alabama State running back Ezra Gray, North Carolina A&T running back Jamie Martin, 
FAMU offensive lineman Keenan Forbes and Southern wide receiver Marquise McClain. Um, all of those, you know, some of those names we heard, we expected, of course, Gray and Martin had the pandemic not took away their 2020-21 year. Both of those guys would have had great seasons following up great 2019s. So neither of those two guys really had great productive seasons, but it was good to see that they still stuck with it and uh, and performed well. Keenan Forbes, no surprise there. Uh, I believe he will be an offensive lineman that gets drafted. I, I've got a sneaking suspicion FAMU might get too drafted. It'll be interesting to see which HBCU gets too drafted. Will it be Jackson State or will it be FAMU? Because I think FAM has legitimately, between Bell and Forbes, two that could get drafted. And I think Jackson would be the other Bell dark horse. Should, Bell definitely should. Oh, he will. I, I think Bell can easily go second round, even though, you know, I've heard some some prognosticators or say second, third, third round rather. Uh, but I but I think he could go second round. Um you know, Adams, defensive back at Virginia State, of course, that's a Division II school. Uh, Reggie Brooks, former NFL player. So, you know, Brooks is able to help out in terms of the process and evaluating and let scouts know that Adams is a legitimate talent, which I think he showed with his, uh, I think he had like a 40-inch vertical, something ridiculous. Wow. And McLean is actually a kind of a young man who came from Auburn. I think is what I read before he transferred to Jackson State. So those are just some of the names. You can go to NFL.com, take a look at the HBCU Combine. Um, but but what, what's interesting, Drew, what opportunities will these guys get? With the fact that you have a USFL league starting, uh, obviously NFL is a dream, but I would say playing professional football is probably the bigger the dream. Is the reality, right? So with the USFL coming, with the next year, the XFL coming, you know, hopefully there's some opportunities here for guys. Um, What's uh, any any final take on the whole combine weekend, the bowl games? Uh, Next up is the Legacy Bowl in uh, February, February 19th in New Orleans. Any any just general thoughts on all of that? What you say next up is Legacy Bowl. What I'm really interested to see is the ones who actually make it to the, to the combine in your hometown, Indianapolis, Indiana, and what kind of uh, kind of numbers and everything they put up, and what's what's the chatter about them coming out coming out of Indiana? I, I think you've got. I know Bell was invited. Uh, I think Kobe Durant of South Carolina State was invited. I've got a. I know I had a list of guys who were invited. Maybe in, out of the break, I'll take a look and see if I can find. And 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 let's let's keep in mind, all, all these guys would still have a pro day at well, either their university or a neighboring university. You know, a lot of times uh, the kids from fam you go over to Florida State, uh, join Florida State's uh, pro day, and you you see that where for the pro days you will see. You, they'll come to the major university in that area, and then some of the satellite schools, some of the other schools will 
have two or three players also compete in the pro day uh, at those uh, places? Um, a thought that uh, I, I know we opened the show talking about those two events because those were the most immediate things, but given the fact that we've got recruiting season coming up, we've got basketball season, we got the start of baseball to what percentage and softball. and softball. Thank you. Tracking fields under the way tennis, a lot of stuff's happening in the next couple of months. Yeah. What percentage would you want to see coverage of these guys as they get ready to go into this process? And I ask that because with the fact that you had no guys or one guy drafted in the last two years, I told you, I, I think we are setting ourselves up for disappointment in some respect because of what they've shown us. Now, I, I you know, like any good, you know, like, like, any, like any of us, I'm going to be an optimist. Maybe this is the year it's a little different. Maybe. Now, now let, me, let, me ask, let me ask you this, Ryan. USFL starts in, I believe, the second week of April, right after the uh, NCAA Final Four uh, commences. I believe it right. starts the second week of April. The draft is not until the last week of April going into the first week of working of May. Let's assume there's a uh, – you know, we got these people who want the, who have their draft dreams, but they will not get drafted. Would they immediately go to possibly the USFL and play half a season in the USFL, get get some film, and then maybe hopefully get a free agent invite to a camp later on this season? I don't even know if that's an option for these for these guys. You know, I I love the idea of the USFL. I just do not like the timing. And this is not just for the HBCU players. This is just football players who are draft eligible in general. Will they have that option? Will there be roster slots available? Does that mean someone else gets cut who's already in the USFL and, and will start practicing in February? Uh, you know, th- those are some of the questions that I really would like to have someone answer. And I know you can't answer it. I I don't have a clue. And no one knows what the USFL will be like. Right. And will the USFL actually get through an entire season? As the last two, three spring leagues have not made it through an entire season. Well, the one thing I think that's helping the USFL is that everything will be played in one city. So you don't have to deal with traveling teams. So all of the games are played there in uh, Birmingham. I think that'll help cost. Um, and like you said, I, I, you know, who knows? We'll have to take a look at some of the USFL scheduling bylaws, the draft, uh, and, and kind of see how that plays out. But uh, it will be interesting. Uh, it's a very interesting uh, thought that you brought up. So back to my, before we go to break, what percentage would you want to see conversations or uh, interest or coverage of the draft process for these for these guys over the next month? Take into consideration the NFL drafts not until April. Maybe about ten percent. 
because we need to be focused. Obviously, basketball is in season right now. So until mid-March, when all of our basketball teams get eliminated, hopefully somebody makes it to April, uh, we need to focus on those, those kids who are in season. Then, number two, you need to focus on the spring sports, your track and field, your softball, your baseball, uh, any, any tennis exploits. I think those that needs to be that next level that we need to focus on. Then we can come back to football. That's just my opinion. All right. I I would you you say ten. I, I'd probably go between five and ten. Uh, probably closer to five. But um, yeah. And then well, you ra- of course you ramp it up as you get deeper into April. Yeah. Okay. I. I can I can agree with that. Yeah. And, you know, and, well, and when you talk about football, you just talk about the draft eligible kids. And when I say that ten percent, you've also got your spring practices. You how how are these? Well, how no, no, I'm talking two separate Okay, I'm I'm looking at that as two different things because All right. the draft eligible guys are guys who are no longer coming back. They're not part of the the football season, which is now uh, about the end of recruiting season and then heading to the spring season, the spring workout and, and uh, practice season. That That's a whole different – yeah, those, those are guys who are on campus or coming to campus. Correct. Two, two different things. So, I, yeah, I was just talking about the guys who are being drafted or draft-eligible players. You know, that's all. So, all right, let's take a break, Drew. Um, you're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. We'll be back in just a moment. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you guys, you guys do for us. credit repair company to fix my credit hold the phone man you can do it yourself with credit versio that's way too hard call the credit repair company most credit repair companies only work on one or two accounts at a time making it slow and expensive you won't figure that out for months <laughs> ignore him credit versio's brilliant software scans all three credit bureaus finds the accounts that are hurting your score and guides you through the entire process anyone can do it let's fast forward and see the results <laughs> wow i fixed my own credit and saved hundreds you can do this visit creditversio.com since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together we can be the change.
This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. Some carriers will give you just one measly entertainment subscription. One is no fun. With Verizon, there's up to seven entertainment subscriptions with your unlimited plan. That's seven times the... <laughs> seven times the... No, no. Seven times the... Yeah. Music, gaming, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, ESPN+, Plus, and more. That's seven times the entertainment. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better costs less than you think. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like really loves. Charmin Ultra. Who they, who they, who they think they're going to beat? Anyway, welcome back to the uh, BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. Right, you got one more who they, and you're going to be doing this show by yourself, man. Championship Saturday. We are all, well, not all of us. Some of us are in shock, disbelief. Um, uh, uh, Vegas, America, many people thought the Chiefs would win and cover the seven, seven and a half. Neither happened. Uh, big day for uh, the Bengals. You know why? Uh, shout out to uh, Marvin Lewis. You know, Marvin Lewis, who toiled away for a decade or so uh, coaching the Bengals, uh, never quite could get over the hump. You know, he had some pretty good teams. And uh, finally, the run, you know, came to an end. I thought he had a very, you know, in terms of the history of the Bengals, prior to Marvin Lewis, they were really, uh, you know, they had a they had a few good years with Sam Weish, but most of the time it was some pretty bad years. You know, obviously, you know, with the exception of those years they went to the Super Bowl. Um, but uh, Marvin Lewis, you know, did a good job, I thought, for about a decade 
of making them respectable, but they just could never get over the hump in the playoffs. And so uh, here comes the uh, the new guy, the young guy. Uh, I think what's his name? Zach Taylor. Yes. And uh, more importantly, though, they got themselves a quarterback. So just goes to show if you if your franchise gets a quarterback, anything's possible. You got a chance. You know it is it is a it is a difference maker. All right, so. Drew, one of the big things, the big stories this past week has been a lot of discussion surrounding the uh, Southwestern Athletic Conference announcement that they would have a three-year run of football games in Birmingham called the SWAT Classic. And all three of those years would actually feature Jackson State. First year which will be this year against UAPB and the next two years against Southern. Well, I've really been impressed by seeing Dr. McClellan out on the media circuit, of course, with uh, Dr. Cavill on Thursday. I've seen him in a couple other places. And he's been pretty consistent about what this opportunity gives the SWAC schools, who he noted came to him looking for an opportunity to increase revenues. Uh, but it has not been met with, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 100% in agreement, enthusiasm by the fan bases, uh, particularly of Southern or Jackson State. And so kind of as we were talking about it in the pre-show, you had some, some you, you kind of wanted to get some things off your chest because you kind of been noticing sort of the same rhetoric running around on a lot of the the discussion boards. Uh, so I, I'll give you your talking points and give you a chance to kind of go through some of your talking points on the matter. <sighs> Where do I Cold begin? Started at, like Brian? that. Wow. When you take a big sign like that, it's... <laughs> I don't even know. And I kind of got into this on uh on the Carlos Brown show on yesterday, Brian. And first of all, let's uh people, we've we've got to deal with reality here. Let's just start it with that. College athletics, Brian, did you know that? Did you know Say college again. athletics was a business? College athletics is a business, Brian. I've learned that. If it doesn't, I've learned that over the last If it years. doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. So despite our fandom and what we think is right, it has to make fiscal and financial sense for these universities to participate in, 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 in anything. That's that's number one. Let's let, let's talk about some of the things that we've been seeing out here on the discussion boards. First of all, why Birmingham? Why not Birmingham? Birmingham is becoming now what Atlanta was in the late eighties and into the nineties. 
Birmingham right. is becoming the amateur capital, at least of the South, if not the amateur capital of sports itself. It's kind of similar to what your hometown, in Indianapolis, Indiana, was uh, noted for for a long time with multiple uh, NCAA championships and other events coming to your hometown. Birmingham, with an Olympic-style event called the World Games, coming to the area this summer. It's coming in mid-July. 36 sports over 100 countries would be participating. Because of that, Birmingham has upgraded facilities, built new facilities, remodeled other facilities to first-class facilities. How do you think they landed the uh, G League team for the uh, New Orleans Pelicans? You have have to have a first-class facility, even to have a G League team. They're not going to play in in the church gym. So, uh, the... uh, the BJCC, I don't know what the new name of it, but it was the BJCC, uh, known to people who are from Alabama, the BJCC downtown, which is next to Progressive Field, which will host soccer, the opening ceremonies of the World Games, and is most famously right now known as UAB's home football field. You still have historic Legion Field, which is where this SWAT Classic game will be played along with Regents Park, which is the home of the Birmingham Barons of the Southern League. You have the Hoover Met. Yes, you have the Hoover Met there in the uh, in the region. I believe, did you do the All-Star game from the Hoover Met last year, Brian? Were you part of that? Yep. Yep. That's okay. where the uh, SEC, SEC their, tournament. Uh, yes. Yeah. And while we're talking about baseball, you have historic Rickwood Field, which was the original home of the Birmingham Barons and home of the Birmingham Black Barons, uh, which is a historic place. And and, and those are just some of the uh, – oh, and then you have the uh, Birmingham Fairgrounds, which is probably the biggest NCAA track indoor track meets happen at that facility and at their aquatic center, which is right there on the, at the same facility. In addition to Fair Park Arena, which uh, because in the past Tuskegee Miles games have been too small, uh, the Miles Gym is too small. Tuskegee Miles has played home basketball games in the Fair Park Arena, and unless they've moved it downtown, was the home of the SWAC basketball tournament. So there are multiple facilities in Birmingham, but no, no one cares about the facilities. We're talking about a football game and a culture, Birmingham. Has it on the? It's not Atlanta, but on a smaller scale, has all the same offerings as Atlanta on a cultural basis. Without the traffic, Brian. Without all the traffic, let's keep that. Let's keep that in mind. That's number one. <laughs> number two. Hey, did anybody ever happen to think that maybe the people who are in Atlanta want to go somewhere else instead of y'all always coming to them? Hey, right there, you go. <laughs> Uh, two hours down the road. Speaking of two hours, Brian, you and I were discussing this earlier. How many do you have within our radius of Birmingham? We've got Atlanta. With a four-hour four four hour radius, four, right? Four-hour radius. We've got Nashville. Right. We've yep. got Memphis. Yep. We've got one of the schools, if say, of Jackson State. Right. And you've got Montgomery, Alabama. And you've got Mobile, yep. Alabama. 
Yeah. You've got six school, six major cities right there within a four hour radius of Birmingham, which is why Birmingham is positioning itself to be the uh, one of the amateur capitals of the South. You know, Birmingham, San Antonio, Indianapolis, as far as amateur capitals, those are, those are some of your places. So at the end, they ponied up the money. They give it to the facility for free. Yes, we Ooh, know. For how much? For how much? For for for, for free. <coughs> but okay, let's take that one step. Let's take that one step further, Brian. Not only are we giving you the facility rent free, which means all of the ticket sales go to the two teams. You're also getting an additional. incentive package in year one, $300,000 incentive package in year two and three. What is that incentive package used for, Brian? To pay for all that other stuff that goes around the cost of operating a football game. What are those costs, Brian? First of all, you got to have somebody take up the tickets that you you pay $35 to $50 for. Somebody got to take up them tickets. Make sure don't nobody get in free. Got to have security, parking attendants, trash cleanup, uh, grounds crew, locker room uh, people, uh, officials. Uh, you name it, it has to get paid for. Those people don't work that game for free. Despite what you think, those people do not work those games for free. That's that $200,000 in year one, $300,000 incentive package in year two and three. That that the uh, swag is getting for putting on this game. All of the money from the ticket sales and sweet sales. Legion Field, I guarantee you, Legion Field has more sweets than Jackson State has at their stadium, and then Southern has at their stadium that they can sell out for that game. So now you get into sweet sales, which is additional revenue. At $35 a ticket, Brian, 30,000 30, tickets, that's just over a million dollars, which is that million dollars that Dr. McC- Dr. McClellan was uh, talking about. A, a capacity crowd of 70,000 is $2.5 million that those two teams will get to split. You tell me what that does not make financial sense, Brian. And all you have to do is pay about $20,000 to get your team there. And I think they, I think they go feed them out there two hundred thousand dollars too, Brian. Just, just to throw that in, they're gonna feed the two teams where they get there and lodge the two teams once they get there. So, all you gotta do is gas up a couple of buses, bring the bands and the fans. I'm, uh, I've, I've talked long enough. I'm gonna let you get in before I get into my next point, Brian. Well, no, no, no. I, I, you know, I, I'm just gonna add in, you know, any any supplemental info because. You're bringing up you're bringing up good points. Um, I, I think one of the discussions that we had was surrounding the scheduling of this game um, because in the first year against UAPB, uh, that is a uh, East versus West matchup, correct? I believe UAPB is in the West. Yeah, both all so, these games are uh, uh, these games are not. Conference matchups, which, which that's, okay, that's a totally so that, subject that we're going to get into in a, in, a, in a moment. Right. Okay. So that that was going to be 
what am I, what, where I was going to go in talking about it. So I'll get out of the way. Everything you said makes sense. Why it's a financial boom uh, for both of these schools. Uh, go ahead. Continue with your points. I, this this is your segment. Go continue with your points. <laughs> Let's get into the. Uh, uh, I, I, we talked about so many points. Where where, well, where do scheduling, I need to go next, bro? The, the scheduling. Go to the scheduling because uh, okay. the biggest things that I've Let's talk heard, about the schedule. Go ahead. Right. Well, the biggest things that I've heard is you brought up the fact that some people seem to be miseducated or misinformed about the scheduling and how this affects the scheduling. Um, and that these two teams play each other every year. Which well, they don't. They do, they but they don't. They, I, I guess when you say that, you mean they don't play each other every year as, as a, a game that counts game. in the conference standings. Correct. Correct. And so one of the things that I heard Dr. McClellan talk about was the fact that creating opportunities for non-conference games where you don't have to go pay. Right. Where you don't, where you don't have to go play Auburn, UCLA, Whoever. like somebody uh, has like uh, come UCLA. out. Yeah, exactly. That you have to go, you that you have to go do that to make money. Well, if I can create a model or present an opportunity for you to make money, and a have allow your fans to a go to the game, b it's a positive win for you financially. How do you not take that? How do you? And again, this is where. You you, talk, you started with number one that college football is a business. We have to start talking more about the reality of what college football is. It is becoming a set. I mean, the Power Five are separating themselves. If you can't understand that or see that, then I don't be a part of this discussion. Go on somewhere. Those those sixty five sixty six schools are doing their own thing. They're going to create themselves as the minor league for NFL football. That's not saying there's not good football elsewhere. (coughs) What it's saying is they're separating themselves. So correct. Everybody else below that (coughs) has to create the best financial situations for themselves. And HBCUs, are primed and they're in the best spots to make significant dollars for themselves if it's done the right way. And that's what you're starting to see in the swag. So go ahead with your points regarding the schedule. All right. In case you don't realize that the, the current schedule bottle is an eight game schedule bottle. There are 12 teams in the SWAC, six on each side. That means for your division, you play five teams. Then you have three crossover games against the other division. 
of those five games, of those five teams, you get to play three teams. One of those teams is protected. You could call it a game, protected game, whatever you want to use. I think they call it your rival game. Southern fans, you're going to get mad at me when I say this, but Jackson State chose Alcorn as their rival game. Southern and FAMU are are the rival games. Uh, I lost your volume, Brian. I'm sorry. I was saying I was trying to figure out. I was trying to figure out who was Southern's uh, rival yes. game, and you you just brought it up. That is FAMU. Yeah, Southern, Southern and FAMU are, are, are the rival games. Um, I believe UAPB and Bethune are the crossover games. But you can go through it and, and, and look at them and, and, and figure these games out. So. Southerns and FAMU, which is a good game, but that's their that's their crossover game. So that leaves five teams left that you'll play on a two year two, two of those teams on a two year rotation. Then they did they rotate off. Then you play the other two on a two year rotation. Then they rotate off, etc., etc., etc. So for to make up the two year schedule. So because of that. Jackson State and Southern were rolling off each other's uh, schedule in 23 and 24. But you can play the game. It just does not count against the record. Just because they are a SWAC member does not mean it's a SWAC game. 2018, Brian, when Grambling played out of the 10-member SWAC, they played all nine teams in in their schedule. Only seven going counted. over to the B, seven counting. Going over to the BAC, the year after Hampton left, which I believe was the same year. Brian, fam, you play Morgan State in a non-conference game, conference opponent, non-conference game. That was the start of the three-game losing streak that cost fam you the opportunity to go to the Celebration Bowl, even oh. though that game did not count. So there, there is precedent for this happening in this in, in, in this genre. So fans, just because it's a swag opponent does not necessarily mean it's a swag game. And because of other contractual obligations, uh, yeah, San Francisco just uh, got an interception. Sorry <laughs> <Yeah>. about that. <laughs> that's, that's uh, but because of uh, other contractual obligations, you can't just look at the schedule and say, okay, the last eight games are SWAT games because there were some other games the first couple of years of this scheduling model that were contractually obligated. And Dr. McClellan has talked about this. And like, and like you said, Dr. McClellan said, we can go out and play each other, create our own and create our own revenue, create our own classic. So that's what this is. This is creating our own classic, keeping the money in the conference. We're not sharing it. No, no offense, Tennessee State. We're not sharing it with Tennessee State, who's an OVC member. Right. We're growing our own conference by playing someone else in a classic outside outside of our conference. I mean, within our conference, keeping the money in house. It's 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 like it's like doing something with your cousin. That that that's what this is, my brother. So let's understand that about the schedule. Then. 
Can I, I hear add one thing, thing about this? Can I can, I can I add one more thing about the schedule? Sure. The fact that let's just say twenty three and twenty four. If if this game weren't played, let's just theoretically say if Southern and Jackson State played, they'd probably do a home and home in those two years, right? Correct. Well, somebody would make money one year. Somebody wouldn't make money the other year. And Jackson, Jackson State, State always is going to make money. Exactly, Jackson State always going to make more money because they have a larger stadium. Exactly. So it balances out where in Birmingham – in those two seasons, both teams have the chance to make money and you have a chance to make significantly more money than you would in the one year that you would get to host. Am I correct in that? You, you are 100% much? correct in that. Okay. All right. I just wanted you to are. add in oh, with that point. Keep going with, uh, you got, a, you got a, a couple more minutes. Go ahead and add in another point or two. Okay, and, and this is the last one that I'm going to get at. And, and if, please go back and listen to what uh, my comments on the Carlos Brown show on yesterday, because I got it. I got into this discussion uh, with Carlos, who's a, who's a Southernite, and we had we had an intelligent discussion. Some some things we agreed on, some things we didn't agree on. Uh, oh, speaking of schedule, last thing on the schedule, Jackson State. Are y'all complaining about going to Miami this year for a home game? Are you complaining about going to Mobile for a home game? Yeah. That's how, that's two home games that Jackson State this year on this schedule. Where's the chatter about that? If you're going to complain, Jackson State complained about all of them or none of them. So, sorry, Charles. Sorry, Neely. I had to throw that, I had to throw that shot at y'all. Uh, but getting into the, well, to the I, last one, we <laughs> what you say, Brian? I, 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 you no, no, that, no, no, no. But I, but, but, but they're by Jackson State folks, so I, I have, to, I have to oh, lump okay. them in all together, just like they lump all those oh. rattlers in together. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. I'm just checking. Just checking. All right. Uh, but, but the last one, you, you, you get to think about the community, Brian, that you're taking the game out of the community. Yes, that's a fact. You are taking the game out of the community. If the community valued the game, and I'm not just talking about the people who come in and pay they pay for their tickets. We know you value the game. If not, you would not pay for your parking and spend take your a whole day Saturday to go. But I don't think in, in a lot of these communities, the businesses, the politicians, and other people who should be vested in those teams actually value those teams. Why do you think these HBCU play all these classics in the first place, Brian? Because they could make more money away from campus than on campus. You you you've been there in those lean years of fam. You all we played was three 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 home games, homecoming plus homecoming, a Division two opponent, and and somebody else in conference. That was it. And there are a lot of schools who still use that model. Play a Division II or NAIA team along with homecoming. So uh, if if they could make money on campus, they wouldn't go anywhere. They would not go anywhere. And there's a divide between 
and then I use this phrase, town and gown. What do I mean by that? A lot of our teams are in decent-sized media markets with local TV stations. You think Southern gets a lead, or does LSU get the lead? Does Jackson get the lead, or does Mississippi State or University of Mississippi get the lead? I bet you Southern Miss gets the lead before Jackson State in the mm. Jackson market. Mm. So already the media, th- their media, does not value Jackson State. Now, Jackson State might have bumped up this year because of the prime effect, but under normal circumstances, probably not. So the the, the people aren't putting the money the resources into making those events happen within the city to make them profitable for the university. So what does the university do? If I can sell my product outside my community and make more money than in my community, I'm hitting the road, Jack. I'm going to sell my, I'm going to sell my property outside of the community. Why do you think the NFL goes and plays games in Europe? (laughs) They make more money over there in Europe than they do. The Jacksonville Jaguars make more money going to Europe because the Jacksonville Jaguars well, are playing London say. every year. I was they make say, more money over there in London. That's who you're talking yeah. about, not not the NFL. No, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Jaguars. make more money yes. in that one game overseas than they do in their home backyard, yes. Them the games in Mexico City. They, they made more, Whoever was over there made more money going playing in Mexico City than they did in their own backyard. It's all about that. It's all about about the dollar. I mean, don't be fooled. It is about the dollar and making financial and fiscal sense for your school, Brian. You know, we have got to remember that this is about dollars and cents. That that money that they're going to make on that SWAT Classic, not, won't necessarily affect football. Okay, I, I, let me break it down. You have your athletic budget. We looked it up today. Jackson State's athletic budget for this year is $7.5 million. Southern is is uh is like $10.7 million. $10.5 million, excuse me. It was $10.5 million. So if your budget is $7.5 million, you could potentially wind up making almost 10% of your budget in one game, of your revenue in one game, if you're Jackson State. These schools give these these teams a budget. This is how much money you have to spend. Now it's up to you to go out and get this money back. They get this money back through ticket sales, donations, Parking, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When that's when they see that there's a shortfall, that's when they go play these check games, my brother. That's why they have to go schedule these check games because they see a potential ch- uh, shortfall. Now you don't have to go out and schedule these check games. Out of that, out of that buddy in that budget, that seven point five million, athletic scholarships are part of that budget. Travel is part of that budget. We know football is fu- is fully uh, funded, but what about the non rev sports? Football pays the bills. Let's be real. That buddy go is going to basketball, to uh, to women's soccer, to softball, to baseball, to some of those other sports 
that do not have the opportunity to generate its own funds track and field so that's where this money goes to and it becomes a trickle-down effect into the community because now you're able to bring more athletes on on campus so instead of giving out four scholarships in baseball you can fun fully fund the 11.7 scholarships because now you have this extra money back into your budget that you don't have to repay the university because and that's what it is it's a loan from the university to the athletic department to be repaid by the end of the fiscal year we don't we know how that goes because we know the financial trouble that fam you got into by not being able to fulfill its financial obligations to the uh, university and had to have that uh, money forgiven in order for them to uh, put themselves in a position to make that move to the SWAT. So uh, unfortunately, as much as you love it, it's all, it's about that almighty dollar, Brian. I think I've talked enough. I hope I haven't talked over some people's heads uh, with this, but it just had to get this off, man. No, hey, uh, like I said, it was one of the big hot topics this past week. Uh, you, you did a great job of breaking it down and and uh, want to encourage anyone to go back and, and take a listen to Carlos Brown's show that was uh, broadcast on Saturday. Obviously, Carlos being a Southernite has some very, uh, uh, very relevant topics and thoughts on it. Um, I'm not sure if I saw... Anything I know the pregame show they had a game that they were talking about in terms of uh, their pregame for the women's men's a uh, women's basketball game. Yeah, that was uh, getting rambling. I don't I don't know if they got into this discussion on their show, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm sure there's some thoughts that you could probably catch from Charles Bishop on uh, Dr. Cavill's inside the HBCU Sports Lab from Thursday. So. You can go back and listen to some great conversations about it, but uh, big, big point, big picture point for me is it's an opportunity to not have to play teams that are going to beat your head in, ripple you with injuries, and for a paycheck. The more ways you can get away from paycheck games, and I thought the other, the other thing that I thought Doctor McClellan was so, so uh, very very cool about talking about was playing games against sisters of the poor. He didn't quite call them <laughs> sisters of the poor. But we all knew what he was talking about. <laughs> he, he called them our lady of something or other, but I knew he was I talking about, <laughs> he was talking about playing those NAIA or division two schools and how all that does is hurt your ratings. It hurts the ratings of the conference. Less it's time. You know, I know there's a point uh, within the HBCU culture where you want to play those games, but fiscally, from a ratings perspective, we have to move away from those games. I think to some point. Yeah. And 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 so when you can create money opportunities as opponents, preferably. HBCU or in conference, it, that's what makes the most sense. Yeah, to me. Uh, one last point: it, it, the idea from this came from the Florida Classic, from the new kids on the block. So for all y'all talking all that trash about Fab U and Bethune, they've shown not only how they make money, 
but they also listened and listened to the model McClellan put out and were able, was able to use that model to get themselves into the playoffs. Yeah, they, 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 that, that Florida Classic, as long as Disney and the city of Orlando recognize what that Classic continues to do from a, from a, a uh, financial standpoint for the area, uh, that, that's why that game is so successful. And it'll never move out of this area as long as the city and Disney continue to support and recognize the financial value that those two schools and those fan bases bring to uh, to the city. So it just makes sense in other places. You know, the question is, you know, will other cities step up and recognize the value? And it's good seeing an HBCU commissioner, uh, someone in a high level like Dr. McClellan, recognize the value of the HBCU brand. And he and certainly he told does. you about it when they when Fam you and Bethune come in came in. He said this was something that was going to happen. And lo and behold, uh a year and a half later, it has happened. Listen to the man. The man, the the man has been right more times as he's been wrong. And so the goat, the goat just retired in football, but we got another goat in that swack office. I was going to say, show me where he's been wrong. I, I'd love to hear you. I'd love to hear someone on the message boards or in the chats tell me that. I don't know if he's been wrong yet. But uh, let's take a break, Drew. We're, we're a bit overscheduled. Uh, we got to come back. We got a lot of basketball news and notes to chat on. Uh, plus, we've got a pair of champions or at least two top teams from Division Two and FCS that dropped their football schedules this past week. So maybe we'll get a chance to talk about that as well. But we got a lot of basketball to catch up on. And uh, the release of the new top five, I believe we're into week number five now. So week number five of the top five coming up a little bit later in this show. Who day? We'll be back after these messages. You want an ultra soft has so much cushiony softness. It's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillars of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Oh, excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? Bounty versus the old family dish towel. Drying with a fresh sheet of Bounty leaves your hands cleaner than a used dish towel that can carry and redistribute food residue. So ditch the dish towel for better hand hygiene. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working. <laughs> never not working. Never ever not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield, never not working. Every time I open one of these bottles, I hear trumpets and big band music. The Creole seasoning is a sodium-free and sugar-free blend that's versatile enough to put on anything. One of the first blends I developed more than eight years ago, the Creole seasoning has an unmistakable aroma, a bold flavor, and a little heat for character. Spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. 
Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger. That's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. You really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. <laughs> Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Ryan and AD here. Uh, I want to thank you. Who they? I will beat you too with. <laughs> I wasn't even going to say anything. I will beat you too with. Who they? I, I got it here for you. Okay. Now nah, let's move on. Uh, you messed with my sinuses on that one. Uh, follow <laughs> us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at mybcsn1, the number one. Um, download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app on our Google and Apple Play Store. Just search my JBM, my BCSN. And don't forget about the BCSN Pod Zone, where all of our shows are dropped in podcast format, uh, usually within about, you know, a day after the show airs. So it's a great opportunity if you're one of those podcast listeners, add the BCSN Pod Zone to your list of shows that you uh, that you subscribe to, and that way you can always hear shows from Carlos Brown, Dr. Cavill, the ONG Strike Zone, the pregame show, and our show, and, and others. I'm sure we'll have some others that uh, have kind of cycled on and off that'll be coming back soon. I know I mentioned, Drew, we would talk about basketball, uh, but I, I didn't want to get a couple of last football related stories out. Signing day, national signing day is coming up on Tuesday, Tuesday, February 2nd, Groundhog Day, I believe. That would be Wednesday, February 2nd. Okay, thank you for the clarification. So, Wednesday is Groundhog Day. Um, I don't know if uh, if our producer Roy has the graphic ready. Um, one of the uh, one of the sites that has done a pretty good job, a very good job of tracking the uh, recruiting rankings. Uh, that's Kelly Flicks. As of this past week, this is the updated listing of the ranking numbers. As you can see, Jackson State there with, of course, the five-star Travis Hunter, four, four stars, three, three stars. Uh, then you see Grambling, Alabama A&M, Florida A&M, and Southern rounding out the top five. Uh, and, and basically, those top five essentially all have at least a four-star athlete scheduled now that's uh that's committed nothing's official until they sign on the dotted line so only only that one for jackson state is is official right now which one is that jack uh travis hunter because he did sign did he early enroll yeah uh he, he i know he signed his letter of intent back in uh 
December during the three day early signing period. I don't know if he enrolled on campus oh, he yet, but oh, I do know he right. signed. Yes, he did sign during okay, the early yeah, signing thank period. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And uh so it'll be it'll be kind of interesting to see, you know, you see the Hugh Jackson effect and grambling. Uh give some credit to uh Connell Maynard. I, I think what they have done, especially on the defensive side of the ball, is pretty impressive. Uh, in terms of the number of guys that they went out uh, from the transfer portal. Uh, you know, they they have on paper, rebuilt their entire defense. And, and, and you know, I, I think one of the this, – this came up in one of the other shows, and I think I want to give some credit to – I think it was Ty Floyd. Uh, those of you who are not familiar with Ty, uh, she is the young lady who is doing the uh, digital broadcast or the digital updates on the SWAT men and women's weekly uh, basketball standings and players of the week on the SWAC dot uh, SWAC uh, social media accounts. But she brought up a good point on our show Wednesday, how these transfer portal recruits mix in this season with all the other guys who have kind of waited a year, went through the COVID year and are itching to play. It'll be interesting to see how the chemistry of a lot of these teams settle in in the spring and the summer. Um, so it, it, you know, it's just something to follow. You know, not and you know, I think we haven't seen very many HBCU guys enter the transfer portal. I, I did see Southern had a guy just enter the other day. Uh, I think I saw a graphic that FAMU has not had any or maybe had one. Um, there was a couple other schools. I mean, I think I think the, the stat was or, or the, the, the tweet was it was recognizing the, the schools that had the fewest number of players or players in the transfer portal. And I think several of uh, at least – with schools up with three or four, four or less, I think you had about three HBCUs in there. Yeah. So what the the thing about the transfer portal, and it's going to be interesting. Uh, and we, we said this when the transfer portal first came out, it has really hurt the high school senior. Oh, definitely. It, definitely. It, that, now what you, what I think is going to happen now, Brian, because of this, you're going to see more transfers at the Division One level, both FBS and FCS. It's going to push a lot of that talent down to the Division Two level and the NAIA level, Brian, is what's going to wind up happening. So the quality of football on the Division Two level, kids who may have been a three-star and sat on the bench for two years at an FBFs or FCS would come down to our Division II schools as a three-star and possibly start year one or at least by year two. So I think it's going to push the high school athlete down to the to the lower levels. And, in, and of course, our couple of NAIAs that we have also. So we, we, we shall see. Yeah, 
Uh, we, we shall. We shall. Interesting point to bring up. Um, from a scheduling why, a scheduling perspective, a couple of schedules that came out this past weekend that made some noise. Uh, Bowie State, I think, was one of the first D2s to release their full schedule for the fall, which features – now, correct me if I'm wrong, Drew. They only play seven in the CIAA, correct? Yes. Yeah, they yeah they, they get three non-conference. Okay, so interesting that Bowie has a uh, two non-conference against opponents that they played in 2021. Yeah, uh, it just looked like a home at home. Right, New Haven and uh, Saginaw Valley. And then they're playing Shaw. I believe Shaw is going to be non-conference conference games. Yes. Um, you know, surprising that they didn't choose to play anybody from the SIC. I, I don't, you know, it would have been nice to see. I, I continue to say I have no idea why we can't figure out a way to create a, a SIC versus CIAA week. Uh, how, how great would that be? And, and it doesn't necessarily need to be a week, just in the first three weeks when well, you can right. have series of matchups. Yeah. Yes. It would just be it just be so good for Division Two HBCU football to be able to see something like that happen. Um, I would have loved to have seen Bowie going up against. Uh, a Savannah or Albany, you know, um, this upcoming year, you know, I, I think there's a way to do it. Uh, if the two, if the two conferences could get together in a two year window and make it work some home and homes, man, it'd be a beautiful thing. Or, for, or, uh, or, or some neutral sites. Uh, you know, that, that'd be interesting. You know, what would that look like? Uh, you don't get too many neutral site opportunities for the D2 programs could something like that work you you could you could do like a challenge week you could have uh possibly charlotte be the ciaa host for a challenge type week or a challenge game you know you could do a a saturday sunday uh memorial uh, excuse me memorial, uh a labor day weekend uh a saturday sunday in, in charlotte you could do you could uh possibly do one in Atlanta over that on that same weekend and have a, a challenge that you could get four games in that way. One game Saturday, one game Sunday, cross them, cross them over like that. Because everybody don't need to play everybody, Brian. Let's keep that in mind. <laughs> That's true. The, the, That's true. The, the, the couple of teams that do not need to play each other right now. Yeah, yeah there's a few teams <laughs> in that CIAA uh South that don't need to play. They need to. They got a lot of things to work on. They, they, no one's, no yeah, one's. There's a couple of SIAC teams uh, who who are on that same level too, Brian. So let's keep that. Let's keep that in mind. SIAC is more competitive top to bottom, but there are a couple of them that we need to keep at home. But regardless of that, but you know that would be a good play. Hey, Brian, I heard Birmingham is uh in the business of hosting football games. That uh, would be a good know? SIAC place to have this hey, challenge. What do you know? Yeah, and then if you go, uh, you know, if you want to get those northern teams, uh, 
possibly a Baltimore area would be a good uh, yeah. northern host. So, yeah. And, 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 and if you want to think about just one other host, uh, Nashville, possibly. You know, that's that's for that northern cluster of uh, SIAC teams. SIAC teams, yeah. Central State, Kentucky State, Lane, uh, Miles would be a good uh, a good candidate to be in that uh, Nashville, even as far down as uh, Tuskegee, you know, would be a good yeah. possible candidate your, uh, to Nashville. Pull one of your North Carolina or Virginia schools over to uh, one of those uh, uh, that, to that. To that that's, to, yeah. Just, I, I think that could... uh, unsolicited advice, CIAA, SIAC. Uh, now, for us to do the study, uh, we, we'll send y'all number. We'll send your contract proposal to do the study. We will be more than happy to have, act as consultants on this, CIAA and SIAC. Well said. Uh, the other schedule that dropped was uh, Florida A&M dropped their 2022 schedule, which uh, which includes five home games played in Tallahassee. Uh, seven of the 11 played in the state of Florida. Of course, when you add in the Orange Blossom Classic against Jackson State on September 4th, the Florida Classic in Orlando on November 19th, uh, FAMU opens week zero at Chapel Hill against the University of North Carolina. Um, they travel to uh, South Carolina State as a non-conference opponent. Uh, they also travel to Grambling, which I might – that's going to be historic. That, that might be the first time – I don't want to go say ever, but it'll be interesting to see when's the last time Florida A&M traveled to Grambling. Yeah, Grambling traveled to, has traveled to the state of Florida. Uh, I know uh, uh, Eddie Robinson – Battled Jake Gaither many times in the Orange Blossom Classic, which was held in the state right, of Florida. Right. But I don't know. That's I don't know if there. Were, you're right. I don't know if there's ever been a return game. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're, and they played. They played in a lot of places. I've. They played in Indianapolis. They played. I don't think they have FAMU. Maybe I, I, it's one of those research things I have to do this week. It's been a long time. And then uh, they go to Montgomery. Traveling to Montgomery, so yeah, interesting I, I, schedule. Brian, yeah, th- th- does FAMU probably do one of the best jobs in black college football? Definitely in the swag of keeping the games in state. Five home games, two other games within the state, and then one of the times they go out to go out the state is actually closer to them in another state than. One of their home games in in the state. One of their games in the state. Well, you got to. It's it's three hours to Montgomery. It's eight hours to Miami. But at least they're in the there's state of definitely Florida. definitely has been a change in philosophy because there used to be a time when they would play like they have five home games. One of those five, they would have played somewhere else. Like for example, I don't know. So, for example, Southern or Alabama A&M, they might have chosen because of outside influences to play that game in Jacksonville or Atlanta, for example. But they've realized the value of keeping that money at home. 
and probably because they've had to, they need that money uh, to play in those games at home. But it is uh, it is interesting to say the least, you know. But uh, you know that that's a that's a that's a positive advantage to have when yeah. when you're in a state where people want to travel to your state. Yeah, the the only yeah. uh the only other people who kind of do that are those SIAC East teams uh do that i know uh savannah one year didn't leave the state of georgia except to go to benedict and play a game and benedict was closer to them than some of the other georgia opponents were mm. right all right well uh i realized that uh we messed that whole segment up i know we said we talked basketball but i figured let's take a break now our last one of the show and then go into our basketball nuggets and then our top five. And the rankings. And the rankings. So we got a lot to cover in the last 30 minutes of the show, Drew. So uh, let's get ready to fire away. We're going to take a break. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a moment. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you, got, you guys do for us. credit repair company to fix my credit hold the phone man you can do it yourself with credit versio that's way too hard call the credit repair company most credit repair companies only work on one or two accounts at a time making it slow and expensive you won't figure that out for months <laughs> ignore him credit versio's brilliant software scans all three credit bureaus finds the accounts that are hurting your score and guides you through the entire process anyone can do it let's fast forward and see the results <laughs> wow i fixed my own credit and saved hundreds you can do this visit creditversio.com since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together we can be the change. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dash as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. 
It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. Some carriers will give you just one measly entertainment subscription. One is no fun. With Verizon, there's up to seven entertainment subscriptions with your unlimited plan. That's seven times the... <laughs> seven times the... No, no. Seven times the... Yeah. Music, gaming, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, ESPN+, Plus, and more. That's seven times the entertainment. Because everyone deserves better. And with plans starting at just $35, better costs less than you think. All right. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Ryan Fulford, 82 here. Yeah. Go, go go ahead. You're gonna say what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. We get our producer. He's having a good time in the background, playing a little Halo or whatever he's playing back there. Uh, thank you, for, our, thank you, Mister Producer. Yeah, for getting uh, it out of my ear. <laughs> all right, let's go uh, to some basketball. Jack, Jack, hold up. Last oh, thing, James Knox uh, on YouTube put out a comment. Uh, we talked about particular sites Audi field in washington uh dc would be another uh good site for uh possible games for the siac ciaa crossover uh because you know they had the howard hampton that game there uh let this past season and any of those mls stadiums are good venues because those are smaller venues 20 which are much better than having them in an nfl stadium where you've got 20,000 in the 70,000 seat stadium, which just doesn't look good aesthetically. But you know, to make all that work, you got to be able to have be able to strike a good deal with the city or that organization that wants you there because they may charge you a ridiculous amount of money since it's not, you know, maybe they're not football ready or they, they don't want the turf to be cleated through the Torn way it's going to be, you know. Yeah. So, you know, you got to you got to take all that into consideration. It may not be worth the neutral site locations. All right, Drew, let's kind of go through some. What do, what do you got? Uh, a couple of news and notes for the uh, for the men's basketball. Uh, what's what's one of your top stories you got? Uh, let's talk about Bobio yesterday. What happened at Bobio? Uh, okay. Well, um, obviously, <laughs> in, in, the, in, in the swag, <laughs> wasn't exactly where I thought you'd go, but uh, oh, in the swag, my bad. you've got, no, that's all right. Um, that uh, that contest, 
featured Bethune Cookman at Alabama State, Grambling and Jackson. Um, I don't see the final for Grambling Jackson. I know we have it. I know Grambling State won the contest. Alabama State came back to beat Bethune 79-73. But I thought the big takeaway is that you got now a four-team, or actually, yeah, a four-way tie for first place in the SWAC men division. Uh, Alcorn defeated Southern by four. Uh, FAMU won their sixth straight over Alabama A&M. And, of course, Grambling defeated Jackson for their fourth win in a row. So all four of those teams, Southern, Alcorn, FAMU, Grambling, all went 6-2 and two conference records. Uh, Texas Southern is 6-3. and three. So based off of everybody else playing on Monday, Uh, all those other schools are playing their ninth game. Texas Southern will either be tied for first or sitting in second place. Uh, Their next contest is against FAMU on February 5th, that game on NBA TV. Um, One thing of note about Alcorn, Drew, and you and I have both have both gotten a chance to know the team very well. This is the fifth straight game that's been decided by one to two possessions. And I'm talking four points or less. Fifth straight game. Three and two in those games. So Alcorn finds a way to win these ball games. Doing a pretty good job over there, Coach Busby. Uh, okay, let's keep going. Over in the MEAC, Norfolk State remains unbeaten in MEAC play. They're 6-0. and uh, They got an 87-69 win over South Carolina State. The Spartans recorded their 15th win of the season. Uh, and, of course, that's a mix of every game they've played. Uh, Joe Bryant Jr. had 22. He's averaging 21 points in conference games. Easily looking like a conference player of the year candidate for the Spartans. Uh, How about Howard getting an overtime win at North Carolina Central, 75-74. It's the first win at uh, McDuglin McClendon Arena since December 2015. Kyle Foster, 27 points, hits a three-pointer with two seconds left to play to put uh, Howard up. And uh, that's uh, Howard's looking pretty good, Drew. Uh, So, all right, let's drop down into the uh, NAIA division for a second. Drew, uh, any any news and notes that you have there? Besides the fact that Talladega is ranked uh, number two in the nation. That's pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive. And uh, 
have, have we taken a look at to see where the Rust College uh, Bears are currently ranked at? Rust College men? Women. Oh, we on the men. I'm sorry. Uh, no. Really I, right I, there. I oh, uh, the, the, the other thing uh, on the uh, men's level is West Virginia State winners of 10 in a row. In a tough uh, conference, the uh, Mountain East Athletic Conference uh, is, is is another feat that was uh, definitely of note in the uh, in the men's basketball. I'm going to come back to Talladega for a second because they moved up from number three to two in the latest NAIA rankings. Their conference member or co-conference member, Loyola, Louisiana, was the number one team. They lost over the last couple of weeks, dropped to number three. So in the Sunshine State, you have the number two Southern and three. What I say? Southern Sunshine. States. Yeah. Yes. Southern states, you have the two and three. It's got to make for um, an interesting tournament. Yes, indeed. On uh, February 3rd, Talladega versus Stillman. Talladega travels to Stillman, 7.30 p.m. I think that's Thursday. That is a February. Thursday. Yep. Um, did you get my notes on the uh, on these? I sent you. No, I did not. All right. Let's not worry about it. I, my sinuses won't let me continue reading. So let's go into the top five. Uh, I'll let you handle this because I'm about to die right now with my sinuses. So let's go into the top five. <laughs> All right. Waiting on the producer. Oh, there we have it. We're going to start with the D1 Men in the hunt, we have Howard six and eight, two and two, North Carolina Central five and ten, two and one, and South Carolina State seven and ten, two and three. Coming in at number five, the winners of I believe six in a row there, Brian. If I do have that correct, that's correct. All First those time are in a long time. Yeah, all of those are in the SWAC conference or the Florida A and M Rattlers. Probably the second hottest team in HBCU Division One men's basketball, outside of another team that is in our rankings. Uh, One hundred seventy points, six and nine, two and two in SWAC play. Coming in at number four, Texas Southern, one hundred eighty nine points, eight and ten, six and three in SWAC play. Coming in at number three, at one point in time they were the hottest team in uh, in the SWAC. 191 points, 7 and 13, 6 and 2 in conference is Alcorn State. Coming in at number two, another team that was hot, uh, the Southern Jaguars, 201 points, uh, even 500, nine, 9 wins, 9 losses, 5 and 2 in conference. But probably the hottest team out of HBCU men's basketball on the Division One level has to be Norfolk State. 244 points, 12 and 4, 6 and 0 in the MEAC. And yes, everybody, we know that when you Google Norfolk State or a couple of these other schools, 
the records that you see on the screen are not the records that they have on their websites. We only count Division One games for our rankings, number one. Number two, those teams who have uh, picked up wins and or losses by way of forfeit due to COVID. We are not uh, – we're not giving them credit or nor are we penalizing the other team when it comes to our rankings. So COVID games, COVID wins do not count for us one way or the other or losses do not count. Thought I would throw that. Uh, in. I appreciate you because I think if I have to say that one more time, I'm about to throw, about to throw a bit, but it, you know, it's, it's good that we continue to say that eventually people catch on. And I just want to make you aware uh, both Norfolk State and Florida A&M have six-game winning streaks. Active okay. six-game winning streaks. So they're equally hot. Equally hot. In fuego. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next one. Moving over to the to the women's side. First of all, we all know who's number one when it comes to the women, just like we do who was number one on the men's side. Jack, Jackson State uh, – has opened up a keg of whoop on everybody that they've pretty much played this season when it comes to HBCU basketball. Uh, so we'll start right there. They're ten and six overall, eight and zero in the SWAC. Have they had a competitive game in the SWAC yet, Brian? I'm searching for that. I, I will tell you by the time you hit number five whether they have or not. Okay, uh, coming in at number two, uh, seven and seven, four and zero in the BAC, Norfolk State. Uh, number three, eight and seven, 206 points. Just just trailing Norfolk is Howard with a three and one record in conference, eight and seven overall. The BAC heavy on this uh, ranking here, Brian, coming in at number four, Coppin State, two and three, 99 overall, three and two in the MEAC. And coming in at number five, a couple of disappointing losses this week. Tennessee State, the Tigers, 199 points and 9 and 10, 5 and 4 in the OVC. Teams that are in the hunt Southern, 7 and 10, 7 and 1. Alabama AM, 5 and 10, 5 and 3. And UAPB, 8 and 10, 5 and 4. Look at that North Corridor of the B actor, Brian, number 2, 3, and 4 in our rankings. Yeah. Um, go, back, go back, go back, producer. Go back, go back one producer. There we go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no that that is a strong core, and um, I think as I was, well, let me let me go back to the first question: Has Jackson State had a competitive game? Uh, yes, in conference. Well, in conference, this past Saturday, they only beat Grambling by thirteen. So which is, <laughs> uh, previously, that's competitive. The lowest, previously, the most competitive game was twenty-one. Okay, so, so we're getting close to single digits. Somebody's getting closer to single digits. Maybe it'll be Southern on Monday night. Maybe that's a good game. And, and Brian, game. but before we go any further, what is it with the with the conferences having some of these feature games, these rival games on Monday nights instead of on Saturdays? I've noticed that uh, when you look look at some of these schedules, the game that you would really, if if I was a person wanting to travel not a local, but one to travel to a game. I would want to see that game, Jackson State Southern, on a Saturday. 
You know, that's a good question. Tuskegee Miles just played this last week on a Monday. Virginia State, Virginia Union play tomorrow. Uh, you know, you no, know, it's it's a good question for the schedulers. Uh, do they do they consider or think about those kind of things, or do they just plot the schedule out and it is what it is, computer generated, yeah. maybe? And hey, this is what the schedule says it is, and and away you go. Good question. Yeah. Um. I, I, uh, yeah, so that, that's all I got for that. I, I'll, I'll, I'll let you kind of keep going from there. All right, next one. All right. Moving on. We'll start at the bottom this time. And, and, and this is, this is very competitive on the Division Two level, both on the men's and the, uh, and the women's side of the, uh, ledger. Uh, Morehouse, 12 and six, nine, nine and two. And and I just so, just to kind of put this in perspective, I'm going to call out the points for the end of hunts just to let you know how competitive this is. Morehouse with 200 points. Winston yeah. Salem State, 12 and five, six and four, 207 points. Virginia Union, who was previously our number one team, Brian, last week. Virginia Union was number one and dropped all the way to number six, which lets you know how competitive that this this. Paul, this in ranking week, is what, what in was one Virginia week. Union, what was their? Well, I gotta go back and look. Go ahead. I think they were. I think they went one. Of, I think they went one or two on the week. Oh man, tough week for. Virginia oh, maybe it was one, uh, one to three because uh, there were some CIAA teams that played four games last week due to uh, the regular schedule and uh, COVID uh, rescheduling. But oh, Virginia yeah. Union with and, and Virginia Union pretty much in statistical tie with. Uh, West Virginia State, but they had 212 points. They're 14 and 6, 7 and 3. Mm-hmm. Coming in at number 5 with 213 points. The hottest team in Division 2 right now. West Virginia State, winners of 10 in a row, 213 points, five, 15 and 5, 10 and 3 in conference. All 10 in a row in conference. 221 points, Lincoln PA, 14 and 5, 7 and 1 in conference. Miles, another hot team, uh, 225 points, 14 and 3, 11 and 1. Look, Miles is running away with the SIAC West right now. Running away with the SIAC East right now. Well, I can't really say running away because you got Morehouse right on their heels at 9 and 2. But 10 and 1 Benedict in conference, 14 and 4 overall, 228, 227 points. And coming in at number 1, Fayetteville State, one point ahead of Benedict with 228 points, 13 and 6, 8 and 1 in conference, Brian. What say you about the computers on this one? Uh I <laughs> I think the computers are they, they they don't know what to do, uh but I but I do know there will be some shuffling as Lincoln travels to Fayetteville on Monday. Okay. So we got a top five matchup. That, that uh, what, the way the computers look, and one of those teams, the loser will drop out. As competitive as it is, as competitive as it is, yeah. And I wonder, did you consider? Did we did we get Winston Salem's win on Saturday recorded into the system? Yeah. Uh, yes, I believe we did. Okay. 
because that's and, another and, team. And, and, and those Sunday and those Sunday games were added in. The Sunday games did not go on last week's ranking for those who uh, saw us last week. They are included yeah, in this. Yeah, okay, yeah, I, I saw that. There were there were there were some Sunday games. Uh, Fayetteville. Yeah, there, there were, were three of them, I believe. Yeah, three yeah. of them. Yep, yep. And you have uh, you didn't mention Virginia Union losing to Fayetteville State. Uh. A 53 to 45 score, and then Virginia Union loses to Elizabeth City State by one. So it's been a tough road trip for Virginia Union. Uh, they did come back home and defeated Shaw. Uh, so it's just a rough, tough road trip. Yeah. And Fayetteville State has a number three uh, schedule, strength of schedule of in, in uh, black college basketball right now. And a double that one should ranking. be noted very well. Yeah, note right. that. Very good. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, off to the women. Off to the women. Starting at uh, the in the hunt, Johnson C. Smith, 11 to 6, 6 and 3. Miles, 12 and 4, 8 and 4, 193 points. Oh, excuse me. I wasn't supposed to say that. But uh, Elizabeth City is right there with them. 13 and 4, 6 and 3. Coming in at number 5, 206 points, 12 and 5, West Virginia State, uh, 12 and 5, 8 and 4. When's the last time we seen both West Virginia State teams uh, rank, Brian? It's been a couple of years, both men and women rank. Usually one yeah, is ranked and one is in the hunt. Right, right. Well, I think it's, yeah, it has been a while. That yes. and Lincoln PA. How about that? You know, both Lincoln PA men and women, along with West Virginia State. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and Benedict, Brian, while we're talking about uh, double rankings. Wow, that's, that's, what do you know? Three schools in uh, the top five, men and women. That's pretty good. Yes. Lincoln PA, 13-5, and 6-2, and 217 points. Benedict, 221 points, 14-6, and 18-2. And this is where some people may say, how is Tuskegee with two losses ahead of Savannah State with one loss? Tuskegee coming in number one, 244 points, 14 and two, eight and one. Savannah State, 237 points, 16 and one, 11 and one in conference. And and Brian, it, it looks like it's coming down to strength of schedule. Tuskegee is built a role when it comes to strength of schedule. But my brother, the difference, Savannah State is dead last strength of schedule. Mm. And it's reflected there in the poll. Despite the 16 and one record, strength of schedule has them dead last, which which is the reason why they will drop to number two, according to the computers. Well, um, you know, the, the sad part is we only get Tuskegee versus Savannah State once. Uh, that's on February 19th. And that's and that's the game that was supposed to have been played back in January. You know, for, for Savannah State, though, you know, uh, they, uh, the chink in the armor uh, is there. After having lost to Benedict, um, 
But, you know, upcoming, they got a four-game road trip, which is actually, uh, overall, it'll be the sixth road game in seven. So they go to Claflin, then they go to Jacksonville, play Edward Waters, which will not be an easy game. Both of those are non-conference games, though. Right. But – and then they'll have to go to Albany State, uh, and then they go to Morris College. So, you know, not an easy stretch for Savannah State coming up here. So it'll be interesting to see – Brian, they, they they easily go three and one or four and on on that swing. Um, yeah, the Edward Waters game will be the game. The that Edward Waters game would be the one that would trip them up. The other three, they should beat very handily. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. Well said. Well said. All right, let's move over to the NAIA level here. We know who's number one, so let's just go ahead and go to number two. Talladega, uh, and I did it again. Yep, you did. So we'll apologize already. Talladega yeah. and Paul Quinn, we'll, we'll apologize graphic, now. The graphics the graphic the graphics error, are misplaced. Right when, it, when it hits Twitter, it'll be correct. <laughs> yep. Uh, but Talladega is number one, despite what the graphic says. Paul Quinn is number two, despite what the graphic says. <laughs> the points are correct. Everything that is typed in is correct. Right. Number three, Steven. Yeah, uh, two hundred twenty-two points, thirteen and four, six and four. Number four moved up. Four and five actually swapped this week. Brian Tugaloo was four last week. Xavier was five. They they flipped places uh, th- this past week. Uh, Xavier thirteen and four, four and three in the in the Red River, and Tugaloo. Uh, 186 points, 10 and 7, 2 and 1 in the GCAC. Our, our buddies down there in Miami Gardens, Florida Memorial, still hanging around, and the Russ College Bears uh, hanging around also. 11 uh, 11 and uh, 8 and 9, respectively. Just a reminder Thursday, Talladega versus Stillman. Um, that'll be at Stillman. I know they'll be fired up for that contest. I know that'll be a packed house. So uh, we look forward to kind of seeing how that one goes. But uh, yeah, we'll 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 make sure to fix those uh, those graphics. Paul Quinn, by the way, nine tournament. They lost Paul Quinn, right? But they lost their first game of the season on Thursday to LSU Shreveport by five. All they did was turn around the next night, knock off the eleventh ranked LSU Alexandria. 7271. So um Paul Quinn is legit. Paul Quinn's legit. Um it, it's a shame that they don't get a chance to do anything with this great season, but uh it just sets them up for the future. I, I looked at that roster. Uh they don't have very many seniors on that team. So if they can keep those guys around, Paul Quinn uh, that's will a, be that's a big if on the NAIA level, though. Exactly, that's why I said that. So if they can keep those guys around, next year will be a big year for them preseason ranking wise. All right, over All to right. the women. 
Let's wrap it up with the women. And on the women's side, oh, maybe I got to flip my notes. Uh, look who's not in the top five this week, Brian. Our, our, our Langston Lady Lions. Yeah, been with surprised. The, with the, I've with seen the, with the uh, one and two week, I believe on the uh, on the week, fourteen and seven, nine and six, Stillman eight and nine, four and six. The new number five team is Philander Smith coming in fifteen and five, two and one in uh, the GCAC, bumping up a spot to number four, Florida Memorial, uh, hundred ninety one points, eleven and seven, eight and two in the uh, Tough Sun Conference. Number three team nobody's talking about Brian the uh, the gold the gold nuggets. I, I always have to pause when I say which one they are, <laughs> but yeah, the gold I, nuggets of, of Xavier. That's why I was like, you're better than me. <laughs> of Xavier, two hundred and one points, eleven and six, seven and one in the Red River uh, Conference. Say hello to my new friend. <laughs> uh, says Xavier, number two Talladega. Uh, another one of those double doubles, Xavier and Talladega. Another a set of those double doubles there, Brian. 220 yep. points, 12 and 7, 7 and 5. And number one, uh, by a very wide margin, uh, Russ College, 246 points, 18 and 3, 3 and 0 oh, there, my brother. So there you have it on the uh rankings let us know uh what y'all think that the computers did did the computers get them right did the computers get them wrong the computers uh obviously did not update the uh the graphic correctly but other than that <laughs> i think the computers had them right my brother <laughs> uh very well said drew um yeah i let me get let's get a couple of final thoughts here um my last word uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Bowie State uh, head coach Daryl Brooks. Won his 200th game this past Saturday, becomes the winningest coach in program history after Bowie State defeated Elizabeth City State 71 to 68. Did it in dramatic fashion, trailing by 17 points at the half. They outscored the Vikings 50 to 30 in the second half. Congratulations, Coach Brooks, Bowie State, on the uh, on the win. Congrats. Go ahead, Drew. My last thought is a, a bit of a somber note. Uh, a friend of mine uh, did not work. Well, yeah, we worked together. We didn't coach together, but we did work together on a couple of other projects, ran some camps together. Uh, Roosevelt Sanders, uh, former head coach of the Miles College, uh, Golden Bears uh, passed away at the age of 84. Sanders uh, coached at Miles from 98 to 2006. He officially won 78, went 78 and 106, which makes you wonder why we're talking about a coach that was under 500, uh, Brian. But he had 36 uh, wins taken away by the NCAA. So add that th- add those thirty six wins back in, and he was over five hundred uh, in his in his career, well over five hundred in his career. So uh, you know Ro- Ro- Roosevelt Sanders led Miles to a 
improbable, improbable run this season. In the 99 2000, he went 16 and 12. The next season, next two seasons, Miles wanted to combine 33 games, but suffered quarterfinal losses. When he left the program, he had the second most victories in the school history. He's now, he's now number three uh, on the list. His most memorable run in uh, at Miles was he, after one and nine start, won seven regular season games, but made it to the SIAE finals in 2006, where they lost to Stillman. In the finals, and I remember that. Uh, I remember that uh, that that tournament specifically because Stillman knocked us out when I was at Tuskegee, so I was rooting for I was rooting for my uh, for Miles at that point. Don't get mad at me, Doug. Thanks for hiring me. The the irony of that is this: then Stillman coach Leon Douglas wound up coaching at Tuskegee the next year, so that that was the irony about that, but. Uh, Sanders Sanders' accomplishment goes beyond college basketball and HBCU basketball. On the state level, Brian, he won. He was six ninety nine and one fifty nine as a as a high school coach from nineteen sixty two to nineteen ninety seven when he went to uh, when he went to coach at Bios College, three state championships. And he 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 was a trendsetter. He was part of integration in the state of Alabama tw- twice. The black schools used to play in a separate classification uh, away from the Alabama High School Athletic Association called the A A W I. Excuse me, A I A A. Alabama Independent Athletic Association, which is where all the black schools played at uh, until 1969. Then he went on to uh, he he so he was part of integration when blacks were allowed to play. Won the state championship the first year that black schools were allowed to compete for the uh, high school championship. Then he in in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. He was the coach that uh, when they centralized the high school, took the uh, three county schools and made it into one high school. He also was the head basketball coach at that high school at Central Tuscaloosa and won an additional two state championships at Central Tuscaloosa and had multiple final four appearances on the high school level. So Roosevelt Sanders, trailblazer, uh, pioneer, civil rights-like person in the state of Alabama uh, and a a very good associate of mine uh, throughout his years. So, uh, you know, my condolences out to the Sanders family, the Central Tuscaloosa family, Bullock County High School, and the Tallahassee family, who all were a part of uh, Roosevelt Sanders' uh, career and Miles College. Right. And, and, and speaking of Mile College, Miles College, I thought I'd introduce uh, or, you know, they, they dropped a a Saturday nugget. What, what do we call the Saturday news drop? The news berry. They have a new head. Friday news dump, Saturday news berry. <laughs> yeah. So they have a new football coach. Uh, this came out uh, Saturday. 
or late Friday night, early Saturday morning, uh, Sam Shade will take over as the new head football coach at Miles. Uh, Shade is a former assistant football coach for the Brown Cleveland Browns, Georgia State University, and Samford University. Uh, he recently served as the head football coach and athletic director at Pinson Valley High School, where he won a 6A state championship in 2020 and went to the quarterfinals of the 6A playoffs this past fall. Um, so he's a native of Birmingham, Drew. So maybe you can let people know just briefly about that Pinson Valley program or maybe what little bit you do know of Sam Shade. Pinson Valley's program. Uh, what movie, what, what uh, series was that when they featured Hoover High School uh, some some number of years ago in the state of Alabama? Uh, two a days. Two a days. Okay. Pinson Valley is on that same level in the state of Alabama. They just okay. happened to uh, film that uh, that series at Hoover High School, but Pinson Valley is on is on that same level. That that's the best I could say. They have they have sent media players not only to the University of Alabama and to Auburn and to Georgia and to every Power Five school within this within the SEC. So they are when it comes to football, they are one of the elites in the uh, state of Alabama. When you look up for the Final Four every year. The, they are one of the names that you expect to see. Yes, so thanks, Lawrence. Two a days. Yeah, so it, it's not a stretch that someone who has coached a minute AD at a large classification school in Alabama and, and given his professional coaching, even as a player at the University of Alabama, that he could not. Or there's there's no he he basically could do the job as the head coach of a Division two program at Miles. But but, but number one, he, he naturally has the high school relationships that you need in the state of Alabama to get athletes to go there because he's he's competed against these kids, so he already knows for the next two three years who to who to, uh, who to watch because he's been game planning against these kids. That's true. Uh, Already, especially on the, I believe Penson is a seven day school, uh, at least a six day school. But I do believe they are a seven day school in uh, in the state of Alabama. So he has a high school coaches. You know, Brian, you, you're a high school coach, just like I, just like me. We have this relationship. We may change schools and and things like that, but we have this relationship amongst each other. So you know, these high school coaches throughout the state. Uh, calling him uh, already. That's number one. Number two, he don't have to move that far. <laughs> Pinson right. Valley. Pinson is is a suburb of Birmingham, just like Fairfield is a suburb of Birmingham. So you you don't have to pay relocation, y'all. Wow, that that was smart right there. Okay. So so he 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 he, he knows. Can basically, stay at home. He can stay where he's he's living. At. He doesn't have to pick up and move the family. Nah, he just got and depending on where he lives at, you know, it might be a closer ride because just because he coaches at Pinson doesn't mean he lives in Pinson. That's true. 
Yeah. So, you know, they don't have to worry about paying relocation for, uh, for this coach so he had and then when you talk about uh his other experience yes i think i think it's a it's a good move to get a uh a high school coach uh to do it now is he he's just assuming i'm assuming the head coaching role and i'm assuming watson is still the interim athletic director as of right now watson is still the listed as the athletic director and the head basketball coach Right now, let's see what they do with the with that position. Whether they leave it with Watson after after this year, or they get a full time athletic director and let Watson coach. And the reason I say that, Brian, is because just like Reginald Ruffin was one of the hottest names when it came to football, Fred Watson is one of the hottest names when it comes to basketball. And no, no offense, Fred. I, I, I go make your money, but Fred is is a name out there. You don't want to see Miles get put into this situation in consecutive years when when the opportunity comes to Fred, because there will be opportunities that come towards Fred. All right, well said. All right, All right. let's wrap it up for. for though uh, we went a little overtime, we appreciate you hanging in there with us. Um, Thank you, Mr. As, Producer. <clears throat> as we exit, we've got the Niners up 10 to 7. So we might, we very well could have a Super Bowl rematch from 1981. I challenge you to tell me which Super Bowl number that is. That would be 16. Woo! Drew, you might be right. I, I was thinking 20. And, and, no. and, 20, and 23. Because they played in 23 also. 20. Yes. 23. Ooh. Oh, Drew. Oh, Drew. Wait a minute. You, that's a mic drop right there, Drew. Damn, that's a mic drop. Yes, sir. That, 16, that, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was the John Taylor catch in 23. Yes. Yes. Liners, Bengals, part three. Could possibly happen. All right. That's going to do it for the show. Enjoy the rest of the championship Sunday unless you bet on the Chiefs. Uh, and are betting on the Rams. Spoiler alert. All right. For AD Drew, <laughs> who they? I'm Brian Fulford. Thanks for watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll see you next time. Peace out. I'll holler. <laughs>